Well, good morning. I just had that move to side because I get excited. <laughs> and I'd hate for it to go everywhere. That would, that would not look, look good at all. <laughs> so it's a great pleasure to be here this morning and to share with you from God's word. And I thank Simon for giving me the uh, time this morning to be able to share. We've been having some great messages about called to be a disciple, haven't we? I've been really blessed by them. They've been really challenging and uh, great messages. And this morning I want to share uh, a sermon that I heard or a message I heard a couple of years ago. And it's called Mary's Heart and Martha's Hands. Now, it's a story not just for women. It's a story for everyone. Why? Because as disciples, we're really called to have Mary's heart and Martha's hands. And what do I mean by that? Well, hopefully by the end you'll understand what I mean. And if you kind of mention names Mary and Martha in Christian circles, people kind of giggle a bit and go, oh, yeah, Martha. Man, she just blew it, you know. But... And we understand that. I I get that. You know, there's a struggle there between Mary and Martha. We want to worship like Mary, but the Martha inside us keeps bossing us around. So let's read, get a bit of a refresher course of what this story is about. And it's from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, Doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. Let's just have a word of prayer. Father God, we just thank you for your word this morning. We ask, Lord, that you are open our spiritual ears to hear what you have to say to us, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let's just have a look at some of the little bit of the background here. Who are the characters? We've got Mary, we've got Martha, we've got Jesus and the disciples. Mary, Martha and Lazarus were brothers and sisters. And Martha is the first person we see. And she has a highly commendable character. And it's said in John 11.5 that Jesus loved Martha. 
So it's important that we see the strong points of her character. And the first question I ask myself is, why Martha's house? Jesus travelled a lot. And in his ministry, he had foes, fans and friends. Foes. Jesus had people who disliked him. And they would say or do anything to discredit him. And at this point, even try and kill him. Jesus had fans. And we know what fans are like. They like you while you're popular. But as soon as you're not popular, well, look out. They'll become your foes pretty quickly. And Jesus had friends. Jesus chose his friends. He chose Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And Jesus was now making his way back to Jerusalem where he would shortly be crucified. And as we know, Jesus didn't do first class. He walked everywhere. It was tiring. And Jesus needs a place to rest. He needs a place where he can step away from the crowds and the demands of ministry. And he does this in Martha's house. Important point. As disciples of Jesus... We too will have foes, fans and friends. In ministry, and you can ask Simon and Annette this, because I'm sure they've experienced that. So you need to choose your friends carefully because they will be the ones who bring encouragement. Wisdom and a place of rest and restoration. Jesus surrounded himself with those people. Jesus ministered to everyone, but who ministered to Jesus? Mary, Martha and Lazarus. They fed him, they housed him and it was in Martha's house. Jesus has a rest. And the Bible tells us, John 11, 18, that it was in Bethany, two miles from Jerusalem. And it was Jesus, his disciples, which included the women disciples as well. But it's in this setting we see two completely different women. Yet both women are unique and vital to our own spiritual development in Christ. It's in these short verses we can have a greater understanding of how important it is for our spiritual balance in serving Christ. Let's start. Luke starts with Martha in all her glory. What a hostess. 
She opens her home. Which was in itself a huge risk at this stage. Because they were starting to plot and kill, wanting to kill Jesus. And it wasn't a good idea for Jesus to go out publicly. So Martha, regardless of the risk, opens her home to Jesus and the disciples. She was doing everything that was culturally correct. She was doing what Jesus taught about hospitality. Martha is what the modern day world would call an action oriented person. A person who gets the job done. And the world needs people who get the job done. After all, what is wrong with being a Martha? Nothing. There's nothing wrong with being a Martha. There's nothing wrong with being responsible, action-orientated person. It's certainly true in the church where we would be today if it wasn't for action-orientated people in the church today. But the scripture tells us that Martha was distracted by all the preparation that she had to do. And there was Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he had to say. So Martha comes to Jesus and says, Lord, don't you care? Ouch. How often have we done that? Lord, Lord, don't you care that this is happening to me? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Frustration ahead. With everything to do, Martha becomes frustrated and points the finger at Jesus. And this wasn't the first time that this happens. When Lazarus dies, Martha sees Jesus and she goes to him and says, Lord, if you weren't here, he wouldn't have died. And Mary too. Lord, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. We too as disciples can take our frustrations out on God and other people. And what I love about this scripture is that Jesus didn't stand there and say, well, why can't you just be like your sister, Mary? And some may think that Jesus is, you know, being condescending in his response. He's not being condescending because he loved Martha. Do you ever get the, that feeling sometimes? I'll use an example. Sorry, honey. <laughs> and, you know, Mark will say something to me and I'll just go, oh, Mark, Mark. You know, Jesus is not doing that. He's not standing there saying, oh, Martha, Martha. The Lord answers her in a loving, compassionate way. He's, Martha, Martha, you are worried. 
Talk about straight to the point. You are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. In other words, no, I will not tell Mary to stop doing what she's doing. Jesus doesn't fault Martha for being responsible. He's simply saying, Martha, not now. You see, Martha's fault was that she was too busy to listen, too distracted to sit at Jesus' feet and absorb his presence, too busy living life, too busy to hear what Jesus had to say, too involved with all her activities and actions that she didn't find time to first listen to the voice of Christ. You know, I I hear when Jesus says, you are worried. I hear that. I hear God saying to me, Joanne, Joanne, you are worried about many things. But as his disciples... I have to stop and ask myself, am I getting too busy and caught up in doing that I forget that it's about being in his presence? So there we have Martha. What about Mary? Mary's heart. With everything still to do, Mary sits, really crashing a party that was really only meant for men. But Mary had only eyes for Jesus. Mary was focused on his presence. It's important to be present. And Jesus gently tells Martha that Mary has chosen the better part. The better part. And this I find really freeing. Because if you feel like you're stuck on that treadmill of life, these words are freeing. Because it's not about who is better. It's not a competition between Mary and Martha. There should be no hierarchy between the stillness of Mary and the action of Martha. Why? Because both Mary and Martha are symbolically necessary for us to stay connected to God and whole. And Jesus knew that Martha could never be Mary and Mary could never be Martha. But when the two were faced with the same choice, to work or to worship, Jesus said that Mary had chosen the better part. That means the better part was available to both. And it's available to each of us. Regardless of our gifting or personality, it's a choice 
each of us can make. The choice obviously became easier for Mary than it did for Martha, but it's still a choice. And this is a tale for every disciple of Jesus. Part of us is Mary. We want to just sit at the feet of Jesus. But part of us is Martha. There's just so much to do. And Charles Hummel says this, that we are surrounded by legitimate needs. And he calls it the tyranny of the urgent. We live in constant tension between the urgent and the important. The problem is that the important task rarely must be done today or even this week. Extra hours of prayer and reading God's word can wait. But the urgent task calls for instant action. Endless demands pressures every hour and day. See, we need to learn what it means to choose the better part of intimacy with Christ. And when we do, we begin to change. That's the exciting bit. See, Mary was changing. See, it's not just, it's, you know, our relationship with God. Yes, it's so important. But as we change, our relationship with others change as well. As we listen to God, this in turn enables us to listen to others. It helps us come alongside others who are struggling. It helps us to walk alongside them as they struggle in their fears and in their doubts with their faith. in their victories. And that there, to me, is what Jesus said when he said, go make disciples. The Martha we see later on has changed. She's no longer frantic. She's no longer rushing around. She's full of faith and trust. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. The one thing is not found in doing more. It's by sitting at Jesus' feet. So we have this paradox. The world applauds achievement. God desires companionship. The world clamours, do more, be more. God says, be still and know that I am God. So Jesus taught in this unforgettable way that listening precedes action. That we should listen first, then act. Act. 
That is why we need Mary's heart and secondly, Martha hands. Listen first and then action second. Like Mary, we need to listen to the voice of God with our hearts, to focus, to centre, to concentrate on Christ and his words. To blot out all of our past busyness and all the clutter of our minds from yesterday. To blot out all of our future busyness and all the clutter of activities that we are going to do. It's an art to listen to the voice of Jesus. It's the art to listen to the voice of Jesus in our prayers when our minds are tempted to run so fast and far away. It's an art to listen to the voice of God as we read his word. It's about being balanced between the listening and the action. Now, being balanced is not so much a matter of staying in perfect equilibrium. It's about finding the right rhythm for our lives. And that's not an easy thing to do. Because no one can be spiritually healthy who does not meditate and commune with God. Nor is anyone, sorry, nor is the one, nor, sorry, got that confused. David sweetly sang, he makes me lie down in green pastures. There is the listening. He leads me beside still waters. There is the action. We must not be so active as to neglect the communion, nor should we be so filled with listening and sitting at the feet of Jesus that we become unpractical. Now, I want to finish with a story. It's about a man named Michael Plant. He was an expert yachtsman. And in autumn of 1992, he commenced a crossing of the North Atlantic, a trip that he had done several times before. This time, Plant's yacht, the Coyote, was so technically advanced, there was few like it in the world. When a storm developed, no one was worried. After all, he had the state-of-the-art equipment on his yacht. However, Michael Plant was never heard of again. After a few times of trying to contact him, his vessel was found upside down. 
and they never heard of Michael Plant again, nor did they find his body. How could this happen, the experts asked. Everyone knows that sailboats are very hard to tip over. Their deep keels and massive rudders right themselves. When the ship was examined, the cause of the tragedy became clear. For all these technological advances that this boat had, the coyote didn't have enough weight below the waterline. There wasn't enough balustrade to outweigh the fancy gadgetry. So it flipped over and lost its ability to balance in the water. The lesson that we learn from this, our lives will capsize as well if what lies below the water doesn't outweigh what lies above. No matter how balanced our lives may look on the surface, it's what lies below that counts. And we fill our holes of our lives by nurturing our faith through prayer and listening to God's voice. Out of this abundance comes a steadfastness in the midst of the storms. See, it's okay to sing a song that says, I will sing, I will sing joy in the battles. But can you do that when the battles come? And you can only do that as you build your relationship with Christ through prayer and listening to his voice and reading his word. That's how you get the strength to face the battles. See, we, live in a, we need to live in a right rhythm, but with deep, solid anchors. So we pray living and live praying. As we serve Christ as his disciples, we should always ask ourselves, am I too busy to stop and listen to Christ? So we need to have Mary's heart and Martha's hands. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you what we can learn from your word. We thank you for Mary and Martha and the beautiful example that they give us, Lord, how that we should listen to your voice before we do action, Lord. Help us, Lord, to keep growing in you, to have strong anchors in faith and prayer and reading your word, Lord, so that when the battles come, we can stand steadfast in your love and grace. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.